Hello, and welcome to Hindsight. This is a limited podcast series where I talk about games and media that I've experienced throughout my life. I'm going to be doing so uh, strictly from memory, and the point of doing that is to kind of point out how our memories are retained and how they change over time. Usually, when I do these episodes, I'm going to be doing something that I played quite a long time ago, uh, but today's a little different. The game uh, in question today, I just beat about two years ago. Uh, it's a big game, a really big title, kind of similar to uh, Earthbound from the last episode, but I would argue that it's uh, even bigger than that, for sure. It's the 10th main game in its franchise. It's very important to a lot of people. Maybe, maybe not as important to me, but we'll find out as we go. Uh, but the game that we are going to be talking about is Final Fantasy X. <laughs> Final Fantasy X is a PlayStation 2 game from around the 2001-2002 era. It's pretty early on in the PlayStation life cycle, and uh, pretty early on as far... I mean, it's not one of the earliest, uh, you know, like Final Fantasy VII was the earliest Final Fantasy in 3D, uh, but it's still fairly early. Uh, I think the time gap there is only about five years, so it's very, very new still uh, in regards to how it is today. In this game, we see a lot of different things, uh, a lot of changes as far as I'm seeing, as far as I know, uh, to kind of the way the games work, uh, some of the systems. All of the games, uh, from my knowledge, are pretty different the way they handle, the way the mechanics work, and the way the characters work. There's some things that stay pretty constant throughout, some of the names, some of the characters, uh, like summons, uh, the job system, pretty much stays intact throughout the games, although the way you interact with it tends to change. This one, however, is one of my favorites as far as those mechanics are concerned. Uh, Though there's some other things that I didn't love quite as much. Uh, so, starting off, we're going to get a little bit more organized as far as uh, the podcast and its different parts are concerned for this episode. Uh, I'm going to start off here with just some pretty important memories about the game that I have. Uh, I'll explain a couple of the memorable parts or the notable parts about the game and then we'll jump into the story, which is going to be pretty much the bulk of the episode. Uh, and that'll be the same most episodes. Uh, the story is going to encompass pretty much most of, if not all, of the episode. 
So, my important memories with Final Fantasy X. Like I said when we started the episode, this is a game that is pretty recent to me. I started it in college uh, about four or five years ago. Uh, And I got pretty much halfway through the game uh, within about a week or two. Then I put it down. Uh, Forgot about it as I finished classes like a good student. Finished out with my uh, 3.5 GPA. Not to brag, but it, you know, it's because I didn't keep playing Final Fantasy X. Hands down, that's it. That's the only reason. It is my second Final Fantasy game I've beaten, but I think it's the first one I've played. Uh, So during that time, I played Final Fantasy X, I put it away, and then Final Fantasy XV came out, and I played all the way through that one. I put about 120 hours into it, uh, got all of the achievements, did everything I could in the game, fell in love with it, uh, and then... A year later, I came back to Final Fantasy X, played a little bit more, got stuck, put it back, and then another year later, I came back to it, and I finished it completely. And we'll get into why uh, it took me so long as we go throughout the episode, but there's, uh, there's a few reasons my experience with the game isn't exactly isn't exactly common. It's not what most people are going to experience playing the game. So anything I say that is uh, critiquing or uh, judgmental of the game is partly just based on how I experienced it and how I chose to play the game, which I will tell you right now was very, very wrong. Full stop. One of the most tragic things I did that caused so many issues is that I decided to make my main character, who they very much set up as a fighter class, uh, into a mage. And that set me back for a long, long time. So, we're going to move into the memorable parts of Final Fantasy X. Some of the most memorable parts, especially for me, were uh, the music. The music in Final Fantasy X and any Final Fantasy game, uh, let's just say that, is the music. The music is fantastic. It's so good, it gets stuck in your head for years. Uh, There are people who have been humming the tunes from this game for decades. And I completely see why. It's so good. Uh, The other thing I wanted to point out is the boss fights in this game. All of them are very, very well done. The weaknesses you have to figure out, the strategies you have to put together are very refined, very well showcasing uh, what's good and what works in this style of game. Uh, But is also, I would say, definitely not for beginners for the jrpg genre it isn't it doesn't hold your hand this game never once holds your hand and tells you what you should do really where you should go how you should go about things uh how you should class your characters 
it kind of guides you, but again, I was able to completely disregard anything they were trying to do and just dig myself a hole that was extremely difficult to get out of. Uh, one of the other notable parts about the game is it's one of uh, it starts to create this pattern that we've seen in the more recent uh, Final Fantasy games, I think, where they they tend to be a little more linear in pathing. Uh, yes, they unlock a little later, but this one for about 80% or more of the game, you're moving in very clearly just one direction. The entire game map, the world map, is like a line all the way forward, which it works with the story, but as far as, you know, the exploration of Final Fantasy, which is a reason why a lot of people come and play these games, it's just not there. It really, like, I was looking for it when playing the game, and I just felt like I was being railroaded for 40 hours. Uh, that's pretty much all I have to say before we get into the game. Uh, so I guess we'll just jump right into the story. start the game as Titus. Uh, Titus is a Blitzball player. Blitzball is a sport where basically these uh, globes of water are held together by some gravitational magic uh, and the players go down and with very unrealistic utility of breath they are able to, for hours at a time, be underwater and play underwater soccer, uh, essentially, is what Blitzball is. And Titus is on the Xanarkand Abe's team, which is a professional league, Blitzball, uh, based out of, obviously, Xanarkand. Xanarkand is this bustling city, uh, lots of traveling, lots of big sports events it's got all these towers all these buildings and there's hundreds of thousands of people there's lights everywhere think like san francisco new york uh london it's one of these huge huge cities very populous uh people everywhere you're lucky if people know your name and titus is one of those people Titus is also one of those people who's got daddy issues. Uh, Titus's father is jecked. Uh, when you finish your first Blitzball game, where they drop you at the beginning of the game, you drop into a flashback, basically, where uh, Titus is talking with his dad on this ship, uh, and his father, Jekt, is just so dismissive and kind of abusive uh, in really like a lot of ways uh 
But the other character you meet in that flashback is uh, Sir Orin. Uh, this guy who, for the, the most part, has one arm ready and one arm draped under his uh, jacket. Looks like he was uh, injured in some way. So after this cutscene, you cut back. Titus has uh, left the Blitzball Stadium. He's gone to bed. And he awakes in the middle of the night. Uh, Xanarkand is ablaze. There's buildings falling. The Blitzball Stadium is on fire. And Titus says, oh no, my Blitzball. Uh, and gets up, throws on his sh water shoes, probably is what he wears, uh, being a Blitzball player. And he sprints off down the highway on foot to try to get over to the Blitzball Stadium and do something i don't even know what i'm gonna be honest i don't know what his plan was he should have just booked it out of town uh but as you're walking or running or whatever you're doing really depends on if you're holding the sprint button or not you come across sir Orin, uh who saves you from these monstrous creatures who he informs you are called sin these grayish bat-like creatures uh who you can't deal hardly any damage to at all but Orin, being the strong manly man that he is uh lays them out for you creating a path which is very nice of him uh but we're gonna have to say goodbye to Orin because he's gonna sink down into the abyss with the city as titus is pulled up into the sky into this whirlwind of sin and the screen fades to black and you get your uh, classic Final Fantasy opening. Uh, all of that happens, and then you wake up on a beach. The first island here uh, is where you meet a lot of people's, probably, I would imagine, favorite character. Uh, this is Waka. He is another Blitzball player, but he doesn't have any recollection of the Xanark and Abe's uh, he gives Titus a really weird look when uh, Titus talks to him about the Xanark and Abes. He's like, nah, brother, I hadn't heard of the Xanark and Abes before. Uh, and then he just takes you to the village because obviously you've got amnesia or something. You're super messed up. You don't know anything. You don't know where you are. You barely know the name of the world, uh, which is Spira. So you make your way to the village which is a trek on foot through the forest. I don't know why Waka's out this far. I guess this is where they practice Blitzball instead of, like, in the ocean that's right next to the village. Beats me, man. I don't know. Uh, but, anyway, you get to the village and you meet one of the other uh, characters. Probably another favorite character for people, uh, Lulu. Lulu is a black mage, very, very clearly a black mage. She is the epitome of everything that is Final Fantasy, everything that is, like, witch aesthetic, but made out of leather belts. Uh, she wears this long dress that is literally made of belts, uh, and she wears a fur shawl over the most of her body very much sticks out from everybody else who's in Islander garb. Uh, 
and she informs Waka that uh, the summoner has been taking a long time in the temple doing her training, uh, getting all of this stuff taken care of, and Waka seems concerned, as does Lulu. But what else they're concerned with is your safety, because you're some amnesiac who probably fell off a boat and hit their head, uh, and you should probably get some rest. So they send you off to bed, you uh, take a quick nap, and you wake up realizing, oh no, that, uh, that summoner girl must be in trouble, because uh, Waka's not here anymore, and I don't think Lulu's here anymore. I'm going to go up to the temple and check it out. Uh, the priest over at the temple says, uh, you guys can't go down there. Only the summoner can go down. We got to respect tradition. We can't do it. Can't do it. Sorry. Uh, Titus says, screw you. Screw your traditions. I'm going to go save that girl because she's in trouble. We all know it. And Titus runs past him, uh, slaps the priest on his way through, uh, very disrespectfully jumps down and saves the girl's life. Uh, and this is also where we meet uh, Kamari. Kamari is a dragoon. He wields a spear and can jump really high. He is also non-human. He is uh, of this race that I can't remember the name of. Uh, but they are kind of like wolf-like characters. Um, they stand on two feet. They're covered in hair, and they have, like, a horn in the middle of their forehead, like like a unicorn or a rhino. Uh, so you meet Kamari. Kamari don't speak English too good, but he does enough to get by. It works. You bring him and the summoner out of the temple uh, after she finishes her training. And after you get out... Uh, the team reconverges with the uh, with the priest, and they ask the summoner, "Well, how did your how did your training go?" Uh, Yuna, her name's Yuna. She has two different colored eyes. I figure I should mention this because the game never brings it up, and you know, there's a lot of design and character model things that I could point out that the game never bats an eye at, and it's so freaking weird. Titus has no right to be dressed that way. He's got the He's got one pant leg and one short, and I'm pretty sure his uh his shirt does the same thing. And I don't know why. It's it's so bizarre. I don't I I don't have answers for any of this stuff. Uh so we're just gonna leave it there, I've said my piece, it's done, it's in the past. Yuna has been successful with her summoning. Uh, she was able to summon Veil 4. So she has begun, uh, according to everyone else, her grand pilgrimage to defeat Sin. And this is when Tia says, Sin, yes, I know what Sin is. Uh, sin is that bad thing that's going to end the world, right? And everyone says, well, yeah, duh. Uh... So I guess you can come along with us if you really want, like, if that's something you want to do. Uh, and also, I want to find my way back to Xanarkand. And people hear him say Xanarkand, and they realize... Oh yeah, no, that's on the way. We'll just stop at Xanarkand while we're on the way, and you can visit your home. That sounds like a great plan.
So y'all leave the first island and you go to a Blitzball tournament, like everybody in their right mind does when there's a world-ending calamity on the way. So you get to Besaide, I believe is the next island's name. And Besaide, there's a Blitzball tourney. You guys run into Orin, I guess. Uh, Orin joins the party. He helps you out with uh, a few encounters. One of the other characters you meet is Seymour. Seymour is like the Grand Seer. He's in charge of these pilgrimages. Uh, and guess what? He's also got huge villain energy. Like, such enormous villain energy. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Think like Invader Zim, but he also walks around saying, No, 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 no. Guys, guys, I'm a good guy. I'm not getting on the world. Uh, he's very obviously bad. They, if they were trying to hide it, they did not do a good job. Spoiler alert, he's a villain. So you uh, get to this island, you meet these characters, you do a Blitzball tournament, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, you enlist some people for your Blitzball team uh, and do Blitzball, and then it never has to come up in the game again unless you really, really, really like it. But it's, it's not a good minigame. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the people who like Blitzball, but it's not a good minigame. Get a better minigame. I'm not sorry. I take it back. I'm not sorry. Blitzball's bad. After you're done with your terrible minigame, uh, you make your way to the next temple and you get your next summon. All these temples are like puzzle dungeons. They're actually really cool, but I'm not going to get into like the mechanics of them or whatever because actually the mechanics and the puzzle themselves are pretty bland. After the first one, there's not really a lot of ingenuity for them. It's just find all these orbs, figure out which ones go where, and then bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, you got a new summon. Uh, so yeah. Cool for the first one, they get really monotonous really, really quick, even though they are cool. They're a really nice change of pace for the game, but I just wish they would have done more with it, you know? So you get the new summon, uh, you get Ifrit from that temple, and you make your way to the next island. The next island, you actually uh, don't get there right away. I'm going to take a little bit between, because there is a little bit in between. Uh, Yuna seems super down. She starts to get really emotional, uh, after you get done with Besaid. She realizes that my journey's really gonna start taking place. This is gonna be really dangerous. Uh, I'm really nervous about whether I'm gonna be able to even do it. So, Titus, on the way to this, uh, next temple, tries to cheer Yuna up. There's a very iconic laugh. I'm not gonna imitate it. Even if people would want me to, I wouldn't do it justice. You can YouTube it, uh, find it on your own if you really want to. There's the there's a playlist of the entire OST of the game remade from that laugh, which is uh, definitely a fun thing to look up if you haven't. The next thing you do is you get on a boat, you make your way over uh, across the water again, and there's a big underwater fight where, once again, the players show off that they really don't need oxygen to live uh, because they just sit underwater for several minutes at a time without any need to breathe 
at all and fight this fish underwater. Uh, so oxygen, not important in this world. Whatever. Spirit doesn't need it. Lungs are optional. So you get to the next island. You go to the third temple. You get your new summon, Ixion. I believe you probably fight Seymour, maybe, for the first time. Uh, he shows up. He says, uh, you'll never do it. Also, I'm a bad guy, probably. Uh, that might happen later than this. It might not. But he's a bad guy. You fight him. And you move on. Because he runs away like a coward. You make your way to Makalania Forest. This is... Uh, this is where you're getting into the mainland. So you're, uh, you were traveling around the different islands for the first part of the game, and now you get a really linear section uh, of the game. This whole continent, this country, all just looks like a big banana. Uh, it's set up in a very straight line. There's nothing, like, really to branch out from, nothing to explore. You just travel in a straight line. It's really nice, maybe, for some people. So you make your way to Makalania Forest. There's a village of, like, elves in here. Uh, that's the race that Seymour is. So you meet up with Seymour again in here. And I think you probably hadn't fought him until in here. Uh, you see some of his memories and uh, some of his ancestors memories by accident uh and they reveal that he has plans to like destroy the world and aid sin in destroying the world so that he can bring about like a new world balance and nobody wants that like nobody wants everybody to die come on don't do that it's bad so you i believe fight seymour at that point once and he runs away I'm just going to assume that, like, at every corner you fight Seymour, because you do it about four or five times. Uh, after that, you find some other memories. Uh, this this place, Makalania Woods, has a lot, uh, a lot to do with, like, spirits and memories uh, and sin as well. So you find some memories, uh, actually, of Titus's father, Jet. Uh, there's some flashbacks to him... Uh, aiding one of the uh, one of the summoners on their their own quest to defeat Sin. Uh, you are reintroduced to Orin. Orin is back there as well, uh, and it sounds like uh, Orin says that yeah, your dad was successful in defeating Sin. Uh, him and the summoner we we led there to do so was successful, so you have a pretty big lineage to follow through on. Uh, throughout this much of the journey, you've encountered a few summoners along the way who've been uh, on their own pilgrimage, and they've been making hints at, like, man, it's been really hard. I haven't been able to, like, finish these temples. Uh, the paths between the temples have been really rough, things like that. And as you're leaving Makalania Woods, Yuna gets more emotional, as she is wont to do in this game. Uh, she starts feeling like, I, I shouldn't drag all of you with me, because there's way too many characters for this party. There's like eight of us, 
we should split so that, you know, I don't have to worry about leveling six different characters that aren't being used all the time and digging myself a rut by making Tidus into a class he isn't meant to play. But we'll get into that further later. Don't worry about it right now. You finish Makalania Forest, you make your way through, and you approach the Thunder Valley, the Thunder Gorge, whatever you want to call it, whatever it's actually called, I don't know. You can do some insane, ridiculous things while you're here, if you really want to. Uh, there's a big endgame prize if you can dodge 100 lightning bolts in a row. It's obnoxious, it's crazy, I never did it. Uh, but the insane, crazy, ridiculous thing I did do was the chocobo races. There is a prize for winning the race with zero seconds on the clock. Uh, you can remove time from your clock or, like, pause the clock, basically, by uh, grabbing these balloons. And then you have to dodge birds and then still win the race. Uh, a lot of people it took, like, hours to do. I think it took me 20 minutes. Uh like an upsettingly short amount of time for people and i just love sharing that they're also on this uh thunder valley area there's some sort of like summoning training you can level up your summons uh that would have been really useful if you had realized that that existed uh but not all of us are that lucky so we're just gonna move on like i did uh, ice Temple. We've got this ice crystal area after you finish through the plains. Uh, you enter this area. You fight Seymour again. Uh, inside the temple, actually. You get in there, and he has basically confronted you and said, Yuna, you have to marry me so that we can have a pure vessel uh, to defeat Sin or, like, start the new world with, basically. Uh, and it's super weird, it's super creepy, and Titus jumps in like, dude, you're being kind of, like, you're being inappropriate right now. We're just trying to get through, and we're gonna defeat Sin on our own. So, back off, bucko. And then, Seymour goes really hard and summons his summon, Anima, who's basically, like, a pharaoh, uh mummified body and it's a really hard fight you have to do some crazy stuff it's it's uh one of the harder boss fights in the game because i don't know of a good way to cheese it but you will eventually beat him you will eventually unlock your next summon shiva and then you will fall down i think uh, and get lost, and you will wake up in the Albed homeland. The Albed have been these, like, racial stereotype, basically, of people who've fallen away from the faith uh, and embraced, like, mechanical uh, sin structures, which are honestly really cool. It's where we get things like the airship and... Uh, like, mechanical boats, which I don't understand because the other people were using those too, uh, and then act like they're demonic in some way. 
I had forgot to mention at the beginning before you get to that island, uh, you do actually meet these characters uh, from the Albed as Titus. They actually in game speak a different language that you have to collect these uh, like decryptors, these language uh, speech barrier pieces to decrypt each of the 26 letters of the alphabet uh, to figure out what they're saying. So those have been scattered throughout the game. If you collect enough of them, you'll be able to piece together a lot of things, but the game still won't say, you know what they're saying, even though you just are missing like the letters D and I. Uh, it'll still say it's gibberish to you. So, like I said, you... Uh, actually met some of these characters really early on uh, on a boat when Titus woke up initially he was in this water uh, he walked through waded through and he helped out this character Riku uh, with some stuff underwater getting some like treasure and then they knocked him off board and that's when he woke up on the island uh, so you actually meet this character again. Riku shows back up. She's a thief. She's very dexterous. Could definitely, like, destroy the entire party by herself if she wanted to. She can also use, like, mechanical skills. She can, uh, mix things together, kind of like an alchemist class. Very cool, very useful. Uh, Riku would honestly stay in my party most of the time. But... The unfortunate thing is that there is this big attack against the Albed people. So as you're waking up here, you see that the Albed homeland is like on fire and being destroyed. Uh, it's a mix. I want to say it's mostly sin that's like destroying and tearing apart their homeland. But I wouldn't put it past it that like the other summoners and things were involved too. And just, like, decided to commit genocide. They really, really don't like these people. So the Albed, being the mechanical geniuses they are, decide, you know what? We're just going to leave. Uh, obviously, people didn't want us to live here. So we're going to live somewhere else. And you find uh, Riku's uncle, I think, uh, who is this game's Sid. And Sid... Obviously, as we know Sid to have, has an airship. So you get on the airship and you leave the Albed homeland and you make your way back to the uh, path of your pilgrimage. That path leads you up to the mountainside where you encounter Kamari's pack. Uh, they challenge you to physical combat because Kamari is a little wimp basically, is by their long-winded way of saying so. Kamari, fight us, you sad excuse for a dude. Uh, Kamari takes that challenge. He whoops them if you haven't leveled him up too much because they scale with you and they become pretty much indestructible if Kamari is too strong. Yeah, not, not always the best, like, game design, uh, but it... It's a pretty good countermeasure to, like, cheating. Uh, so you fight fight them, and you get through up into the mountains. The mountains are where I would say is, like, the biggest difficulty jump, 
as far as uh, enemies and your basic encounters. The enemies here, when I first got here, were taking me out in about a hit. Uh, so I spent a good amount of time here grinding, uh, leveling up, getting my sphere grid filled out. And the thing I decided to fill out was uh, Tidus's sphere grid. But not in any of the ways that you would expect. I decided, you know what would be really nice? Having another mage in my party. Uh, because Lulu and Yuna, being the incredibly strong mages they were, were not enough for me, I guess. I decided, you know what? I want Tidus to be a mage. And I did it. I used a friend sphere to allow Tidus to travel over to the uh, Aga spells, which was over where Lulu was. So Tidus, having like single digit ma magic skill, went over and he learned all of the Aga spells for the dark magic. It was the worst decision I could have possibly made in the entire game. I'm telling you right now. It doesn't work. Titus can't use magic. Even with those spells, he was dealing like 30 damage. But it was costing him all of his MP to do nothing. And being that I spent so much energy getting him over there, he didn't have any attack power either. So he was completely useless. He was going to deal 30 damage and use all his MP, or he was going to deal 40 damage and then die because he didn't have any health. Uh, so that's when Tidus left my party pretty much indefinitely, which is probably a good thing because Tidus is now suffering from PTSD because we got to the top of the mountains and we had a very, very, very gorgeous scene, uh, as you approach Xanarkand from the clifftops. This is one of the most fantastic and beautiful cinematic scenes I have seen in a video game and most media. It is art. It, if the scene itself does not make you cry, I don't think you've connected with the game in any, like, any way at all. The scene and the music of the scene should bring a tear to your eye on principle of it existing. So Xanarkand, the reason you're crying is because Xanarkand is destroyed. It is a wasteland. There's nothing there. Titus gets to the top of this cliff and basically just collapses as he realizes, I used to live there and it's gone. There's nothing there. And this is when his party decides to tell him, yeah, Xanarkin's been gone for a thousand years, bro. I don't know what you're talking about. Xanarkin Abes haven't existed for a long, long time. Uh, Sin destroyed it a thousand years ago, so I don't know what, what you're talking about, like your dad helping out here. I don't get that. It doesn't make any sense. That's not how this works. You're hallucinating. And, whew. Titus takes a breather. The group rests before they uh, go down to Xanarkin Temple. Yeah, Titus has been has not been to Xanarkin for a thousand years, uh, for whatever reason. 
however that works out. You make your way down to Xanarkin Temple. The temple's really, really difficult, actually. Uh, the fights here are really tough. Uh, you have to go down. There's one boss which you very much have to cheese and figure out, like, how to beat it the best way, uh, which pretty much just use a guide. Like, just use a guide, honestly. For most of the bosses in this game, just, like, take advice. Don't don't even bother doing it on your own. Uh, unless you really, really want that challenge and that experience. It's just easier to get it done. Take someone's advice. Like, it's going to take you long enough and going to be hard enough on its own. Uh, sometimes you can use life on a zombie enemy uh, and just kill it immediately, but most of the time it's just like this boss is going to kill you in one hit unless you know exactly where to move and exactly what skills to use. So my personal suggestion, don't play this game without uh, help because it'll keep you from making Tidus a mage at the very least. So you finish through the temple, you grab Bahamut, hopefully you grab one of the uh, the items in the back of the temple, uh, because actually, at the end of Xanarkand, you also fight, uh, you fight Unaleska, the namesake of your party member, Yuna. Unaleska is this, uh, this being who Seymour was trying to, like, become or overthrow in some way. Uh, and they basically tell you Sin can't be defeated. I'm the only one who can keep it at bay. So go give your life, and I will keep it at bay for another amount of time. Titus says, no, screw you, you old fogey. Uh, we're going to do it on our own because we can... We can totally defeat this undefeatable thing. Uh, and then you kill Unaleska. You just fight God and you kill them. I'm not going to underestimate how ridiculously hard this fight was. I'm just going to say I beat it on like my third try. I'm pretty sure I used a guide for it. I had some help. I think I had... Uh, a friend watching me and helping me do it, giving me advice. You have to get lucky to, like, even beat this fight. And the only reason I was able to beat it was because I put Tidus back into my party and I, like, power-leveled 30-plus levels into him for the Sphere Grid to get him back where he should be. Uh, and, of course... I had Waka and Yuna, I believe, who now just had an extra 30 levels of their sphere grid that they unlocked. So they're ridiculously buff, and Tidus is passable again. So that's good. Uh, we've recorrected from the monstrosity that we created with Tidus before. Ject, you learn after this fight, had become sin, or maybe before this fight? Uh, either way, I think that knowledge was, uh, involved. Ject had become Sin after they defeated it, 
So Sin, basically, in order to delay it, needs a host. Uh, so they, like, defeat Sin back with the other summoner, and then they figure, well, someone needs to, like, embody Sin and keep it at bay with their own life force and their power. And Jekt says, I have nothing to go back home for, so I'm going to do it. Uh, forgetting that he has a son back at home. And that summoner is actually, now that I remember it, was Yuna's dad, uh, who definitely dies. Yuna's father dies uh, going and defeating Sin, and Orin, who was also there, makes it out alive, but I believe loses that use of his arm uh, in that final battle. He leaves Jekt. Jekt becomes Sin. And the cycle begins anew. Orin returns to deliver the news to Yuna, the rest of Yuna's family. Uh, and then stays to help her on her summoner journey that she's going to go on. It's so depressing. It's so depressing. And I have in my notes that you kill Seymour here, but I believe you do it beforehand. Uh, and then fight Unaleska, and then that happens. Uh, and that, finally, is all of Xanarkand. It's like, even in my podcast, it's a 10-minute segment. There's so much story here. There's about a third of the entire story happens right in Xanarkand, which is really actually super good because all of the characters have such a deep tie to that area. And, uh, yeah, getting back to it, Titus has, for everybody, said that, no, we don't want to do it the way that we know it actually works. We're going to do this on our own, and we're going to defeat Sin and kick my old man in his butt. You go back to the airship, and you tell Sid, hey, uh... You know that way that we're going to end this? Uh, it's not going to work. We killed that god. So we're going to do it on our own. Uh, you're going to have to fly into Sin. And Sid says, hell yeah, dude. Uh, hell yeah, brother. You fly into this mountain. I should set the scene because Sin is this mountain of a country like, this this thing is the size of the main country you've been exploring for the entirety of the game. It's a huge gray blob that you actually have, like, a huge boss fight to even get close to. So you have this huge airship battle, which is amazing. It's so well set up. It's so well executed. Uh, and you have to defeat that before you can get on top to the city of Sin. Uh, Las Vegas. So you get up there to the city. The enemies here are as much of a jump as when you got to the mountain. Uh, they're so hard, they will kill you if you're not careful. And guess what? There's all of about two save points uh, in this area. One in the airship and one right before the final fight. And that's about it. So you have to marathon your way through. I hope you bought all your potions like you should have. And just power through as far as you can 
before you die and try it again. And eventually, you will get to the final fight. Within this city, which, if you hadn't realized, is this, like, a dream form of the city of Xanarkand that Jekt has... Haha! <laughs> injected into this beast of sin. You fight Jekt. There's a huge, huge, like, lead-up into this fight. There's some dialogue. There's some things. Jekt, like, is still aware, basically, of what's happening, but is being, like, controlled by Sin, uh, both, I think, before and after the battle has words for Titus. Uh, but this fight is as hard as the Unalesca fight, and once again, use a freaking guide, because you, you almost definitely will not be able to beat this fight without one. Even with one, having my party members set very specifically for the requirements of this fight, it took me about seven tries. And even then, I made it by the skin of my teeth. Uh, I think Titus might have been the only one left alive. He didn't have his haste up anymore because he died and was re resurrected. The other two party members were petrified uh titus was probably silenced or something and couldn't uh unstone touch them uh and had like 30 health left and that was when i finally landed the final hit uh so the fight itself you have to uh destroy these two pillars that keep both uh healing ject and then also attacking you. And then Jekt will be uh, basically casting, like, weaken, slow, and every other status effect on you, including uh, just, like, straight-up death and uh, petrify, which just, like, kills you, but worse. Eventually, hopefully, luckily, you will win this fight. If you try hard enough and use a game, use a guide, use a guide, please, for all that is holy, and you'll get to the epilogue. After you defeat Jekt, uh, you put the final nail in the coffin, and he fades away to dust, finally saying for once in his stupid life that he is proud of his son. Uh, Titus cries and then also realizes, hey guys, uh, actually, uh, I'm a dream. I'm not real. Uh, I'm dead. Titus is dead. His dad is dead. Uh, so is Orin. Orin fades away. Waka's good, though. Waka's fine. He's crying. He's holding Yuna. He's holding Lulu. Both of his girls. I cried lots of tears. It's very, very sad. Uh, even talking about it now, I'm just trying to keep myself from tearing up because, like, it's so emotional. It's such a good end to this game. Uh, for all of the moments that it was terribly slow and I had to grind, 
this game ended on such a high note. Uh, and I should mention, I, I kind of did when I talked about it, but like I'm so much more familiar with uh, the Xanarkin portion forward because I was stuck there. And then just, again, I just beat it like two years ago. So it's a lot more recent than like Earthbound was. But the story, like, the story is so good. It still, like, gives me goosebumps just thinking about it because it, it just, everything that they led up to in the whole story was brought so well uh, to its end. And I think, honestly, like, having character death in your story like that, like they did, uh, is just, it's such a risky move but it paid off so well in this game. So that's pretty much all I've got to say on this one. Uh, it's definitely a longer episode, but there's, I mean, so much story. I didn't even get to all of it. There's more I could have talked about, uh, even with how much I remember about the game and how much I'm not referring to, like, for myself, any content about the game. From what I remember, there's even more of this game that I haven't represented. Uh, and I wish I could just do, like, a three-part series, but I don't think that I have the time or ambition for that. Uh, so to squeeze it into one episode, there we go. That is Final Fantasy X. <laughs> Join me next time as I talk about another uh, older game, and it'll be fun. It'll be probably less uh, less put together than this one. I know there's definitely mistakes I made here, uh, but definitely not as blatant and terrible as the Earthbound episode. So let me know what you thought let me know what uh new canon you like from my memories of this game uh and give me a shout out if you like this uh share it twitter uh facebook wherever uh you want people to hear any of your final fantasy friends uh let them know the sin that i've created here and i will See you next time for episode three of Hindsight. Thank you for listening.